0: Hello Cornerstone Church, how is everyone doing? Come on! So glad that you're all here. Uh, man, this is the rowdy crowd, I'm telling you right now. If you are not used to church being a little rowdy, you might want to just head out right now because there's some crazy people in this audience right now. We're going to have some fun. My name is Scott. Uh, as much as you might have had a double take, I'm not Lynn Winters. I don't have the six-pack abs or the good looks that Pastor Lynn has But he's going to be here next week. Uh, He's on his way back from Israel, and he'll be here next week and teaching all the rest of this series for uh, the next three weeks. It's called Sunday School. Everybody say Sunday School. So some of you might be familiar with that term. Others of you may not. It's been around a long time. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to teach on some essential Truths that Jesus taught that I believe are some of the most transformative truths in Scripture. And if you're going to, hear, if you hear anything during this series that you're like, okay, well, I've heard that before, I want to encourage you to open up your heart, open up your mind, because God might want to uh, show you something new through some old truth. Because it is just as relevant today as it has ever been. And if this is something maybe new for you, this is fantastic. Because maybe you're a relatively new follower of Jesus. You're going to hear some stuff in this series that's going to help you understand just what you got yourself into. Okay? And maybe you're not a follower of Christ, but you're curious, what's this all about? Well, in this series, we're going to unpack some things that will give you some insight into what is following Jesus all about, so man, Sunday school, say it in, come on, Sunday school, <laughs> so anything that has the word school in it has to have a pop quiz, okay, so we're going to do a pop quiz right here, right now, and uh, we're actually going to do a little Bible quiz. But don't fear if you're unfamiliar with the Bible because we're going to get you all warmed up by doing something different than uh, Bible, but we're going to get there. So here's the deal. This is an all-hands-on-deck. Everybody participates. If you don't participate, you fail, and you don't want to fail the quiz at Sunday school. Do you, boys and girls? Come on, man. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to throw out a statement or a question, and you're simply going to fill in the blank, all right? Verbally, out loud. So I'll say something, you just end the phrase, okay? Pretty simple. Let's try it. Let's prime the pump. Are you guys ready? Okay. So I know we come from all different areas here in the valley, but for the most part, you all live in Phoenix. There you go. Good, man. You're right on top of it. Here we go. Okay. So um, the nation's capital is located in Washington. Okay, cool. Good. You feeling it? Huh? You feeling it? Alright, um, let's see here Kanye West has a little feud going on With Taylor All right Some of you are like, who, what? What's what's that all about? Uh, baseball Baseball The 2016 World Series Champions Will be the Uh-oh Alright, man, hey, here's the deal No fist fighting in church. You can take it outside if you want to. we not in here. Not on our time, okay? Okay, so let's get to some Bible verses real quick. If you're familiar with all with scripture, just fill in the blank. John 3, 16. For God so loved the... Okay, good, good. On Matthew 4, Jesus is being tempted by the devil. He's in the desert. And he says to Satan in verse 4, he says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every... Wow, yeah, and every word that comes from the mouth of God. You notice it got a little softer, though, didn't you? So now we're going to go right for the jugular, and we're going to test you out. And it might be a soft reply, but Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has been crucified. He's risen. And now, right right before his ascension, he's talking to his disciples. And he's talking in what we commonly call the Great Commission. And he says at the end of Matthew chapter 28 about himself, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teaching them to... I knew it was going to happen teaching them to obey all that I command them. Everybody say obey. obey. And then he says, he says, uh, and by the way, I'm with you to the very end of the age. It was that great commission, that call for the followers of Jesus to go into all the world and share this incredible, life-changing message of love and grace with the world. It was that great commission that drove myself and a few friends of mine to a nightclub one night called the Reptile House. Now, if you wonder what kind of nightclub the Reptile House was, just think about what would a club called the Reptile House look like. Exactly, you got it. That's the Reptile House. It was it was a, a rough place. And I guarantee not only was there legal stuff going on and there, there was a whole bunch of illegal stuff going on in there. My friends and I one night, Saturday night, thought, man, let's go down by the clubs and let's walk around, let's talk to people and let's talk about Jesus. Yeah, one of those guys. Because after all, what else are they expecting you to do at the clubs on Saturday night but talk about Jesus? So let's go enter into that thing. So we go down in this area, and outside of the reptile house, there's this long line of people down the sidewalk waiting to get in. There was some big deal going on. Lots of people were there, and we thought, man, this is perfect. We have a captive audience. Let's go talk about faith in Christ and life with all these people. And you can only imagine how it went. It wasn't highly successful, but... We had a number of conversations, but I'll never forget one conversation with a girl that I had that was standing in line at the reptile house. She was mildly curious about Jesus and faith and things of that matter. And she asked me a question that I've never been able to forget. She said, if I believe in Jesus, do I have to obey him? Interesting question, isn't it? She said, if I believe in Jesus, do I have to obey him? And immediately, I was conflicted on the inside. Because I assumed she wanted to go down the path of religion. The rules and regulations and all that stuff that has nothing to do with the relationship with Christ. And I thought, man, I don't want to go down religion. I'm not here to talk about religion. I'm here to talk about the grace of God and the acceptance of God and the love of God through Christ who died on the cross for our sin. And man, it's there for you and he loves you and he wants you to be uh, in your life. That's what I wanted to talk about. But she said, well, if I believe in him, do I have to obey him? So as conflicted as I was in what and how to respond, I was also convicted with some scriptures that I knew After she asked me that question. So I had to stay true to God's word in that conversation. So I said, well, let me try to answer it this way. Uh, Let me show you something in this. I had this little pocket Bible. And I turned to John chapter 14, which is what I want to ask you to do. If you have a Bible on you, go to John chapter 14 in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In John chapter 14, Jesus himself says this. In verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. And then I went down further to verse 23, and I, and I read it to her, where it says, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. I read those verses to her, trying to stay true to Scripture, and she was very respectful and very kind, and she said, okay, thank you. I'm not interested. Today, I want to talk to you about obedience. I want to pick that conversation back up. If I were to have had 20 more minutes with her, this might be how I would engage in that conversation. Um, There's a rub with that whole word and idea called obedience. In fact, um, here's how I've thought about it before, and maybe you can relate to this. It's easy to view a commanding God as a demanding God. Where literally God's commands place a demand on us forcing us into a particular belief system or set of behaviors, as if God's exerting his forceful will on us, and we are unwillingly the recipient of that and not highly interested in doing that. So God being a commanding God must mean he's very demanding on us. And if you've ever thought anything close to that, I want to, in the next few minutes, shatter that perspective. And I hope that you never think about obedience in that light ever, ever, ever again. So when we talk about obedience, here's what I want you to... Maybe if there's a couple times where you you take a note or write something down to come back to you, this is probably it. And, And basically, this is it. God's commands are designed to get us where He wants us to be. God's commands are designed to get us where He wants us to be. And His commands are his invitation for us to go the better way. God's call on our life to obey is an invitation to go the better way. I'm doing a um, read the Bible through in a year deal. Like, you know, January comes up and you sign up for the gym membership, try to change your diet, get in shape, and all those New Year's resolutions that we only keep for like two days. And anybody ever do like try to do the read the Bible through the Bible in a year kind of thing? Well, when you do, here's what happens. When it gets to be February, you get depressed because you're in the book of Leviticus and it's horrible. I mean, it's, I mean, just call it what it is. It's truth, but it's crazy. And you're like, oh God, I can't get through this stuff. I tap out, right? Well, I've pressed through. And a couple things in that is I'm always reminded how jacked up God's people have always been. I take hope in that. I'm encouraged because I'm like, I am not alone, man. We're all jacked up and we're probably always going to be jacked up. But the other thing I see in that is that God tries to bring his people somewhere. The way that he always does that is by them being obedient to what he's saying. Pretty simple. Even if you go into, uh, say, like the book of Exodus, where God delivers people from Egypt and he delivers them from bondage and slavery and all that stuff. You know, Moses, the guy leading them. And literally... When, after he does all these miracles and he delivers them from that area, what was supposed to be an 11-day journey ended up taking how long? 40 years. It was only 11 days in distance. It took them 40 years. Why did it take them 40 years? Their disobedience. God's commands are designed to get us where he wants us to be. His call on our life to be obedient is his invitation to, to the better way. Now we can think, okay, that's old times, Old Testament, all that kind of stuff. But what about now? What about followers of Jesus? What do we do? How's that? What's that look like in our life? Well, here's maybe the second thing you might want to take note, is that the path of following Jesus is paved with obedience. The path of following Jesus is paved with obedience. Now, please hear me. This is an, this is not anything about forgiveness, the love of God, God's acceptance of us. That's all been taken care of through Christ on the cross. But if we're going to follow him, the path of following him is laid with obedience. Go to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to camp out here for just a couple minutes. Matthew chapter 7 wraps up what's been called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a really famous talk that Jesus gave and he concludes it by, um, by a little story. So if you go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, here's what Jesus says. Are you guys still with me? Okay, good, good. Um, he says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Verse 26. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, I have to confess right here, there are times when I read the Bible and I think, oh my goodness, I wish it said something different. In fact, if I were to have said it, I would have said it this way. And so I want to throw out to you how I would have said it or how I wish Jesus would have said this. I wish He would have started this all out in verse 26. Kind of got the negative out of the way right up front and basically said, Hey, anyone who listens to my teaching but doesn't obey it is foolish. Your life is going to get hit with storms and things are going to come down on your life. And if you don't obey my teaching, at the end of the day you're going to crash, you're going to fall, it's not going to be good. And then I wish you would have went on and said this, but for everyone who hears my teaching and obeys what I say, the storms are going to blow south around your life and they're never going to touch you. That's what I wish he would have said. I wish he would have said, because you obey me, your life is going to be storm free. Because you obey me, you're not going to go through the normal pains of this life. It's all going to blow around you. The challenge with that is I think that's what many of us believe. We believe that if we obey Christ, the way that it works itself out is the storms blow around our life. And we're supposed to have a resistant free path in life. And believing that causes a whole lot of confusion and frustration. What's similar about these two guys that Jesus is metaphorically teaching about, but it's it's literal, is that they both heard his teaching. They both heard it. They both had storms go through their life. The only difference was one was obedient to his teaching and the other wasn't. It's not a matter of the intensity of the storms, it's about how strong is our foundation. How strong is our foundation? Because storms will hit. We think, well God, I'm obedient to you and man, this isn't working out because this storm is taking out. The economy's tanked. My business has gone under. My marriage is on the rocks. My kids have gone crazy. I've got some sort of sickness that has dramatically slowed me down in life. And man, I, God forbid, gone through a horrible tragedy, lost a loved one. Man, the storms are hitting. But even through all of that, Jesus says, stay the course of obedience through it all. Because when that season passes, guess who's going to be left standing? The one who obeys him. But our natural mind says, well, left standing, what does that mean? Because all I can see is the debris and the fallout of this storm in my life. How does that look like I'm standing? I, I, don't, I can't put that in a box with a little bow on it and say, here's how it exactly looks. But I can guarantee this, that if we stay the path of obedience to Christ when the storm passes, what's left standing, even if there's debris all around, is our faith in God is intact. Our relationship with Him is probably closer and more intimate because we have a better uh, understanding and perspective on the frailty of this short life. And our hearts are turned more to the things of eternity because of what the storms have done in our life. Jesus basically is saying, it's not the intensity of the storm. It's about how strong is our foundation. So how do we build this foundation that can stand through these crazy storms? How do we do what he's saying? In, in, in this scripture, Matthew 7. Well, here's two things. I want to give you just some simple things that you can apply that will help you to build that foundation. Now, remember the name of this series? Sunday School. This isn't rocket science. This is basics. But I guarantee this is absolutely essential if you want to follow Christ or essential to consider if you're considering following Jesus. First one is this. Be hearers of His Word. Listen to his teaching. I know it's simple. But guys, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to be interested in what he has to say. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, which I would assume is if I love him, I really want to know what he has to say. And for us that are followers of Jesus, we should be students of scripture. We should read the Bible casually, but then we should also read it intensely at times. We should mind for truth. We should have that as a part of our life. I'd even say, man, you should I consider reading the Bible every day. Just make it a part of your life. Maybe just a few minutes every day. Maybe it's longer than that. But let God's Word speak to you every single day. You know, when we pray, we talk to God. But when we read the Bible, it's God talking to us. That's the primary voice, not the only, but the primary voice of God in our life is His Word. So be hearers of his word, be listeners. Jesus said, both of them listened, both of them heard the word. So here's the second thing you can do is whenever you read the Bible, maybe it's by yourself, you're in a small group, whatever the context, always ask this simple question. Is there a command to obey? Is there something here that God is telling me to do with what I just read? Simple question. Is there a command to obey? James chapter 1, let me read it to you. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. But James chapter 1, verse 22 says it like this. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Isn't that interesting? I love the Bible. It just says it straight up. Don't just listen to it and not do what it says. If you do, you're just fooling yourself. What what does that mean? Why why would we be fooling ourselves when we don't do what God's word says? Well, I have an idea on that. Here's what I think. I think that truth, God's truth in his word, is medicinal. It's like a medicine that comforts a lot of pains in life. It's medicinal because it encourages us. It gives us a perspective that's way beyond our short life. And it and it strengthens us. I think it's medicinal. But the problem is that even though truth is medicinal, it's the foundation of, that changes your life. It's obedience that builds that foundation. So when we hear God's word, we're like, oh man, I'm so encouraged. I'm so inspired. I'm so refreshed, whatever, whatever. But then we walk out, we don't do anything with it. Scripture says this is foolish because it's not going to build the foundation. It's going to stand the storms of life. It's doing what it says. So in my life, here's kind of how it plays out for me is um, when I... I'm reading scripture, and I'm listening to Jesus' teaching, you know, God's word and asking that question, is there a command to obey? Often, um, God will just put a strong urge on my heart to respond or obey in one of two general areas. And again, I'm speaking in generalities. The first one is just trusting him more. Those times I'm reading my Bible and I'm like, man, God, I got to trust you more. Because you're very trustworthy. If what you say here is true and you're going to do what you say, you are much more trustworthy than what my life looks like. And often it's it looks like me trying, taking more risks for matters of eternity. But it's trusting him more. The other kind of big bucket that obedience falls in for me when I read my Bible is now to go treat someone differently. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I read my Bible and I'm like, just into it and and it's like God will just put on my heart hey you need to go apologize to so and so or hey you need to go spend more time with such and such or you need to treat them differently because the last conversation you had wasn't really a very honoring conversation that kind of stuff so it's either trust him more or treat someone differently so just a couple weeks ago I was getting ready uh, I was coming out here to Cornerstone and I um, some of you might have been here I taught on the topic of contentment. And was anybody here during that? Okay, a few of you. I chased everybody else off. Um, so I talk about contentment, which is a really important conversation. But it wasn't one of those ones you would say was incredibly urgent in life. But when we saw what God's word said about, it's it like, wow, this is a big deal. And so I'm putting that uh, that message together. And I come across one of the verses that we talked about was Philippians chapter four, verse nineteen where it says, my God will supply all of my need, all of your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ. And I'm reading that, and I felt this sense of conviction, because my wife and I were walking through a situation where we have a rental property in a different state. And, uh, and we didn't even know it, but the tenants, it's a nice neighborhood, fantastic house, the tenants is up and left. They just took off. As far as we can tell, they didn't tell anybody. And we found out from our neighbors who finally called out there. They said, "Hey, uh, did you know that your house is empty and, and it's been empty for a couple of weeks?" We're like, "What? What are you talking about? Empty? You're kidding me!" And so um, then we realized, well, not only are we now going to have to float an extra house payment for a while, there's some repairs to make because there's they just need some repairs now. And so Shelly and I, my wife. We're stressing about this. We're talking about it a lot. And I'm putting this message together on contentment a couple weeks ago. And I come across Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. And I just felt like God said, you need to pray about this more. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray. God, you know we need tenants. I mean, literally, I don't just want tenants, God. You know we need tenants. And if it's going to be a while, Lord, we need to make these house payments. So would you help us? figure that out too and all that kind of stuff is going around and and, um and literally i'm i'm praying about it a little i'm reading that that day and god just kind of says to me you need to pray with shelly about it pray with your wife okay cool i get it we talked about it a lot but we hadn't prayed about it together she gets up that morning i'm still sitting on the sofa in my morning routine reading my bible and all that kind of stuff and she goes out she gets a cup of coffee and she says you know what I think we need to pray about the house. And I'm like, Hey, whoa! I heard from God first on this. Don't be coming up and telling me what to do. You know, no, but it's into how it goes though. Guys, God will say, Hey bro, you need to do this. But then you're like dragging your feet and your wife comes, Hey, we need to do this. Oh yeah, honey. I know. So she says, we need to pray about this. And so I get up off the the sofa right then i start walking towards her and i kid you not i really felt like god said to me in the inside he says you need to go up to her and hold her hands and pray now holding the hands of your spouse is not a big deal i am not one of those like church people do weird stuff like you know some folks will do that let's get in a circle let's hold hands and let's pray right why do you do that what is it all about i don't i don't want to hold other men's hands right? And y'all got sweaty palms anyway. So if you're a circle up, let's pray about it kind of person, more power to you, but just do this. Just make it quick and get it over with. All right. None of those long drawn out where you're like, Oh Lord, man, I'm dying here. Right? So anyway, God really says in my heart, don't just pray with her, go hold hands and pray. And I'm I'm thinking about this circling up praying thing going, okay, this has got to be God because this isn't me, that whole hold hands and pray thing. So I didn't do it. I said, yeah, let's pray. And she's in the kitchen, there's a counter between us, and I'm in the there, the, and I'm like, Lord, we pray. And I, I had to stop. The conviction was so strong. Stop praying, go hold hands. So we held hands and we prayed. And we just said, God, you know, we, 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 we need this, to, this house to Get tenants in it. This is not a good time for this to happen. And it's in the middle of winter and in a cold place, and that makes it even more difficult. We prayed. We said, Amen. The phone didn't ring. The house wasn't leased that day, okay? But you know what did happen? Is what was becoming a place of uh, friction, we were now unified on. Our hearts were together. Our confidence grew, realizing, you know what? God's going to help meet this need in our life. I know it's a small first world need, but man, God's got our back on this. We were drawn together about it and we walked out in unity and encouraged going, okay, we're going to push through this little issue in our life. When I read scripture, I say, God, what's that command you obey? He said, like, well, you trust me more and you treat someone differently. It's usually how it plays out for me. So let me just be honest with you guys for a minute, okay, and wrap it up. So this last week um, has been a, a pretty difficult week. I've been sick as, it's been crazy. Um, in fact, my daughter is here somewhere. She goes to GCU and she's here today. She stayed with me at the hotel last night and she took me to the urgent care. And uh, the, the great folks there had a two hour wait. I was like, I, I, it was 10 o'clock. I'm like, I gotta, no, I can't do this. It's too late. So um, we're just doing some over the counter stuff. Which, by the way, if I say anything stupid today, it's because I'm on drugs. Okay? <laughs> Believe me, I could hit 70 home runs a season right now. I'm amped up. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I was really sick all last week, and I went to the doctor on Tuesday, and I'm like, give me some antibiotics, kill whatever it is in me. And the doctor did their you know, their thing and said, you don't need antibiotics, you have a virus. And I'm thinking, great, I hate viruses because you can't kill a sucker, Right? So he's going to ride it out. So I'm riding out this virus. And on Wednesday night, I'm kind of thinking through this conversation with you guys. And I'm sitting on the sofa. And I'm kind of in my jogging pants and t-shirt I'm just chilling, thinking about, okay, man, obedience. I feel horrible right now. And I'm going to talk about obedience. I'm not inspired about anything right now. Lord, I need you to be a part of this. What is it in this message you want to do? Because one of the things that I try to do whenever I put a talk together from the Bible, is I, I, I literally say, God, I want my message about God to be someone's moment with God. I'm like, God, I just don't want to talk. Would you make a moment for somebody? Would you speak to them in a personal way? And I was like, where are you going to go with this? So I mustered up my strength and I threw on my hoodie and I went out for a walk around the neighborhood. And I walked around the neighborhood for 45 minutes, nine o'clock at night, and I could breathe, and then my lungs opened up, and it was just nice to get out, and I'm praying the whole time. God, what do you want to do in this? I've taught towards obedience, but I've never taught on obedience. This isn't a very exciting conversation. What, what are we going to go with this? And I kid you not, guys, I really believe that God strongly impressed upon me this for you. When I said, God, what do you want to do in this? And I believe he said to me very clearly, he said, Just know that there's many folks at Cornerstone who are afraid to obey me. Just tell them, don't be afraid to obey. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to obey. In fact, I'd say it this way. In your fear, press through and do it anyway. Now, I don't want to try to come up with a list of items where God might be speaking to you right now, telling you, what it is you're supposed to obey. But maybe for some of you, it's very clear that he wants you to go ask of forgiveness for someone. Maybe for some of you, it's to finally let someone go to release bitterness and unforgiveness. Maybe, maybe you're, uh, in, you're married and it's going south. It's going south hard and fast. And God's saying, you can't, if you were able to fix this by yourselves, you would have done it by now. You need someone else to help you. You need to go get some counseling, some biblical counseling. Maybe he's been speaking that to you. Maybe there's something in your life that um, you've kept secret. It's unhealthy. And maybe God's been telling you, you've got to expose this. Because what's kept secret grows but what's exposed and brought to the light God can now work on and free you from. So maybe he's telling you to go find someone that you can trust, someone that loves you and cares about you, and tell them the truth. Tell them what the secret is. I don't know what it is exactly. I don't have some tearjerker, inspiring story to finish this conversation with, other than I feel like I need to be obedient and say, God, God, said don't be afraid to obey him because he's faithful he's trustworthy it's only when you step out in obedience are you going to find out what he wants to do i don't want to sound cliche or churchy but on the other side of your obedience is the blessing of god it's the provision of god it's more of the presence of god in your life the path of following jesus it's paved with obedience it's not about trying to earn anything from Him. It's about living out where He's leading us to because His commands are designed to get us to where He wants us to be. So I want to ask you to stand up for just a moment. I'm going to dismiss you in like 60 seconds. So just hold tight. Um, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. And you're all going to, you know, you're all going to stay at your seat. You're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to do anything creepy or weird like that, whatever that might be. But um, I, I just want to ask you this question. And this isn't for me. This is this is for you. If you could honestly say, and if no one raises their hand, that's cool. It's all good. But if you could honestly say, Scott, when you said that God said there's many people there that are afraid to obey me, but just tell them don't be afraid. Obey. If you could say honestly, man, in this conversation, God has made it very clear that there's something specific he wants me to do. And I don't, I'm not even going to be politically correct and say he's asking you to do something. I'm going to say, you know he's telling you to do something. And you'd say, man, that's that's me. He's telling me to do something. Just raise your hand if that's you. Okay? Okay, put your hands back down because you didn't understand the question. Too many hands went up. No, honestly, you say, God, Scott, God has specifically told me I need to obey him in this specific thing. Put your hand back up if that's you. Okay? look around. No, it's all right. Hold up. You're not alone. The path of following Christ is paved with obedience. Let me pray for you. Okay. Let's do this. Father God, we, we're humbled in this moment. We're humbled that you would care so much about us that you're involved in the intimate details of our life. So much so that you're, you're, you're telling you, you are commanding us, God, what it's out of love because you want to bring us where you want us to be. You're telling us to obey you Jesus, you said to go into all the world, teaching them to obey everything you've commanded. Lord, we want to be those wise people whose foundations can stand the storms of life. God, we want, we want storm-proof lives. So, Lord, I pray that uh, you continue to lead us by telling us how to obey you. And, Lord, for all of us here who know that there's a specific thing to obey, Lord, I pray that you give us grace and strength to push through any fear, and to trust you, regardless of what the outcome is, regardless of what the circumstance is or how someone responds, but to just trust you and do it because you said so, Lord. Just like we're your kids. We say, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do that? And sometimes dad just says, because. Just because. So Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you that you are for us, and not against us. And we're excited to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say one thing before you leave. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I want someone to pray with me about this. So you want someone to pray with you about anything. Our prayer team's gonna be up here. They'd love to pray for you up front. And then the last thing is, you're invited to come back at five o'clock. Check out a small group. Maybe get in the small group at this group link um, gathering because it's in that context too. These kinds of things you talk about. Man, here's what God's asked me to do and you come together as a community of believers encouraging and supporting one another so think about that okay next week Pastor Lynn is back teaching the rest of the series you guys are awesome the rowdy crowd come on man God is good see y'all later you're dismissed